Hello and welcome to Renewing Hope Church in Oceanside, California, where our mission is to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, and to love our neighbor as ourself. We pray that this episode will both challenge and encourage you to love more. And now, here's today's episode. So tonight we're going to be in the book of James, and as Pastor Corey talked, we met and and I got talking to Pastor Corey, and we had so much in common. And one of the things that we had in common was some of the experiences we had as uh, pastors in a church or growing up in church, being in church leadership. And when you're in those kind of positions, you tend to look at people for advice and leadership and guidance. And sometimes things don't work out the way that you plan them. And through that time... It's kind of a, it's great that the Lord worked through the scripture tonight, or the uh, work through my study this week, because it was pretty convicting. And um, so when we talk about experiences in church and words and what people say and what people do, um, can have a tendency to turn us off and can have a tendency to turn our hearts and our minds away from God. So as we look at James chapter three tonight, and if you have a Bible, We'll be in James, and there's Bibles in front of you if you want to grab a Bible. And uh, I'm going to be reading out the New, uh, New American Standard Bible. I prefer to teach out of that. I believe the books in, uh, Bible in front of you are New Living Translations. We're going to be in the book of James. And I went ahead and I found out where that page is, and that's on 1019. So if you would like to join me in reading your word tonight. And then uh, we have some scripture on the screen as well. Okay, let's go ahead and get in to chapter 3 of the book of James. Chapter 3, verse 1. Let not many of you become teachers, my brethren, knowing that as such we shall incur a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man and able to bridle the whole tongue as well. Now, if we put the bits into the horse's mouths so that they may obey us, we direct their entire body as well. Behold the ships also, though they are so great They are driven by the strong winds and are still directed by a very small rudder whenever the inclination of the pilot desires. So also the tongue, a small part of the body, and yet it boasts great things. Behold how great a forest is set aflame by such a small fire. And yet, or I'm sorry, and the tongue is a fire, the very word of iniquity. The tongue is set among our members as that which defiles the entire body and sets on fire the course of our life. And is set on by hell. For every species of beasts and birds, the reptiles and the creatures of the sea is tamed 
and he has been tamed by the human. But no one can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it, we bless the Lord, our Father, and with it, we curse men who have been made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come both blessings and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be. Does a fountain send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives or vine produce figs? Neither can salt water produce fresh. Now, before we get into the context of the scripture tonight, I do want to give you a brief background of the book of James. The book of James was written as an epistle to be read among the 12 tribes, that, uh, which were dispersed. Now, the 12 tribes contained some theologic, or some historians say that the 12 tribes may have been uh, Christian converts, Jewish converts. Maybe there were some Gentiles in the mix. But this was to be read as an epistle. The main theme of James is really faith without works is dead. Now, I do want to caution you that I will not be teaching that works will save you. That is not what James is saying. That's a theological argument for another day. Okay. But I rest assured that he is speaking about works being dead without faith. The other thing James does is he sends this epistle, or uh, the, the epistles read. The other thing that he does is he warns and he instructs the church on areas that are not godly. And we'll get into those in a minute. This letter was meant to be read, so whoever was reading it was telling the church, you are doing these things, your faith is not matching. There needs to be correction. So as we come to verse, or as we come to chapter 3, I will briefly talk about chapter 1, or uh, verse 1, which will lead us into the context of the scripture tonight. Let not many of you, brethren, become teachers, my brethren, knowing that such will incur a stricter judgment. Now, I don't know if that frightens you, but that frightens me. It frightens me because the tongue has the power to defile the word of God. It has the power to lead people astray. And it has the power to leave destruction behind. But as we come to verse 2, we look at this tongue that James speaks about. As a high school teacher, I get asked sometimes to teach on different things. And one of the things I got asked to teach a couple years ago was health. And in my health class, we came across parts of the body. And we came across the tongue. And I told my students that the tongue is an amazing thing. It's an amazing part of your body. It allows us to speak. It allows us to form words, chew food, 
mechanically separate it, push it down the throat to begin the digestive process. The tongue itself is an amazing creation, but yet it's full of poison. James paints for us another picture of the tongue that I did to my students. And the first thing we look at in chapter 3, verse 2, for we all stumble in many ways. If anyone does not stumble in what he says, he is a perfect man and able to bridle the tongue. Now, if we put bits into the horse's mouth so that they may obey us, we can direct their entire bodily body as well. Behold the ships, they are great, they're driven by the winds, and still directed by a very small rudder. Why is the tongue an impossible thing to tame? It's impossible to tame in some respects because we are fallen creatures. We are dead in our sins and our trespasses, and it's difficult for us to tame the tongue. As James says, we struggle in many ways. I think we can sum it up best if we look at the Westminster Confession of Faith. These are sobering words, but a gentle reminder of the glory of God in our fallen state. Our first parents, seduced by the subtlety and temptations of Satan, sinned in eating the forbidden fruit. This, their sin, was pleased, our God was pleased, according to his wise and holy counsel, to permit having purposed to order it to his own glory. By this sin, they fell from their original righteousness and communion with God, and so became dead in their sin, and listen closely, <clears throat> and wholly defiled all the faculties and parts of soul and body. The reason the tongue does what it does is because, as James says, we struggle with our fallen nature. The tongue reflects man's heart. The tongue also reflects the regenerated heart. In Ephesians 4, 22, uh, 24, Paul says, That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him accordance with the truth that is in Jesus, that were taught with regard to your former way of life, to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be being new in the attitude of your minds and put on the new self, created to be in the light God in true righteousness and holiness. Let's look at Psalm 39, 11. I will watch my ways and keep my tongue from sin. I will put a muzzle on it. I will put a muzzle on my mouth while in the presence of the wicked. James gives us two very vivid examples of the small tongue. 
Example number one, Paul, or I'm sorry, Paul, James, I say Paul, James uses two illustrations to help us get a better understanding of how wild beast can be tamed, but the tongue is difficult. Notice that he says that the tongue, and he uses the words bits and bridles two times in this book. Now, I don't know if any of you are familiar with horses or riding horses or anything like that. I certainly not. But we know that they're very powerful animals. And they can be controlled and directed by using a bridle. And if you're familiar with a bridle, it's very small. But when that bridle is fitted in the horse's mouth, the rider can correct it. Right? He has control. Notice that James goes on and says that the tongue is a small, as small as a rudder. But the rudder of the ship can direct itself or direct itself in tough winds and waves. So he goes on and he gives us this analogy of a bridle. And it's a simple device that can direct the path of a powerful animal. When we look at the word bridle in Greek, in the original language, it's a verb, it's an action word. And James is telling us that to hold in check and restrain the tongue. The Greek means to hold in check and restrain. Only a perfect man can do that, but given our fallen nature, as James has pointed out, we struggle to stay on track. Like the rudder of a small uh, ship, the small tongue boasts great things. When we look at the tongue, we know that James describes it as a fire, and we know that it has the tendency, as James saying, to leave a path of destruction. How powerful the tongue can be. Fire leaves a path of destruction, so does the tongue. Destroying words leave behind a trail of destruction, damage, hurtfulness. Words can direct the path of your life. If someone says something to you, or if you said something to somebody in the church, those words have power and leave a trail of destruction. One of the things that the Lord has done with me this week is show me that. Words can hurt, but kind words can build up the church. So let's look at this. How does the tongue destroy? Let's look in verse 5. So also the tongue is a small part of the body, and yet it boasts great things. Behold how great a forest 
is set aflame by such a small fire. Words don't have to be big. Words can be small like a rudder. Words can hurt. Words can destroy. Words can leave destruction. As we look in verse 5, I'm sorry, verse 6. I came to this part of scripture and I struggled with it for a second. And I realized how mighty this scripture is. The context of this scripture really opened my eyes this week to the origin of the tongue in our struggles. And the tongue is a fire. The very world of iniquity. The tongue is set among the body is that which defiles it and sets fire the course of our life and is set, fi- or set on fire by hell. When I read this scripture, I was coming to it, pulling out all my exegetical tools and all my things to try to interpret this, and, but yet it was in front of me the whole time. When we look at the word world in verse 6, it is the very Greek word used, cosmos, or where we get the word cosmology. It speaks to the order of the universe. It's an expression of great magnitude. And James says that this world is a system of iniquity. And because of this system of iniquity, of ungodliness, of not being right with God, words that come out of the mouth don't always reflect our faith. But notice as we look closer in verse 6, there are three things that James tells us about the tongue and its deadly potential. It defiles the entire body and it sets the course and it is literally lit on fire from the pit of hell. The word here, hell, is Gehenna. This is the word used to describe where the ungodly go. The rejectors of Christ at the end of the age. Those who are not in the family of Christ are sent to Gehenna, a place of ungodliness and wickedness. The system of iniquity that our tongue is under is set on fire from the pit of hell. Because godly words, godly living comes from above, not from the pit of hell. And notice the three things that it does. It sets the course. I just mentioned that a couple minutes ago, that the tongue has the potential to set the course. Words matter, words hurt, words matter. Let's look at Romans 1, chapter, or chapter 1, verse 20. 
For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, attributes, that is, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly perceived, being understood by what has been made, so that they are not without excuse. The system, the world, men can look at the world. Beautiful Carlsbad, getting out of the water, taking my dog to the beach, feeling the ocean on my face, the small little joys of life come from above. And man is not without excuse for everything that has been made by God speaks to his powerful creating nature and his organization and system in this world. Now, when James talks about defiling the whole body, when fires scorch, they leave behind destruction, mess, danger, unsafe roads, etc. Okay, James says defiles the whole body. Now, it stains, it's gross, it corrupts, yet it's a small part of the body. Mark 7, 22, verse 23 says, Deeds of greed, wickedness, deceit, indecent behavior, envy, slander, pride, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within. Going back to our depravity. Come from within and defile the whole person. It's a destructive path that is set. Let's look at verses 3, 8 through 10. But no one can tame the tongue. It is restless evil and full of deadly poison. With it we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the image of God. Romans 3.3 says their throat is an open grave with their tongues. They keep deceiving. The venom of asps is under their lips. Ephesians 4.3.1. All bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander must be removed from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, compassion and forgiving each other, just in Christ has also forgiven you. In one side of the tongue, as James says, we bless. And in the other side of the tongue, we curse the very men that he created. Men left to their unbridled tongues will do much harm and much damage. As James has pointed out. That we can glorify God with our tongues, but yet we can say hurtful things to the members of our church, our family. So many times I can wish I could take back the things that I've said, because I stand here unperfect and struggle just as much as everybody else. And I think that's the word for us today as a, a growing church a growing body that as we grow together as a family, we pay attention to what we say to each other. How can we build each other up as a church? How can we build each other up as a body? 
with our words. There's not one person in this room that has not been affected by the powerful destruction of the tongue. It's a restless evil. And I like how James points out that we glorify God, but yet we curse the very men that was created in his likeness, in his image, as we were. The tongue can do immense damage. I remember growing up in the church, being around pastors and teachers, and and I've seen a lot of, I guess, behind-the-scenes stuff. I grew up in a house where my father was a pastor. I grew up in a house where we loved Christ. But my dad, being in the ministry, saw how powerful words can destroy. Words can split the church. Words can split up marriages. Words can split up families. Words can ruin relationships. And this is exactly what James is telling the 12 tribes. Your tongue does not match your faith. Works, faith without works is dead. They're not suggesting to you that the tongue will save you or will provide you salvation. But God has given us a tongue to glorify him. God has not given us a tongue to glorify ourselves. God has given us a tongue to worship and worship the creator of the universe in all of its perfect order. So let's go on and look at verse 10 through 11. From the same mouth comes blessings and cursing, my brethren. These things ought not to be this way. Does a fountain send out the same, send out from the same opening both fresh and bitter water? Can a fig tree, my brethren, produce olives or a vine produce figs? Neither can salt water produce fresh water. I don't want to spend too much time on these last two remaining scriptures. That can be another study in itself. But I want to conclude by thinking about three things that James has brought to our attention today. One, we have discovered that James has described the tongue as a fire that leaves behind a destruction, a path of destruction. It hurts. Words can kill. It's powerful. And how do we apply this? tough text to our lives. The first thing that I can think of is when we talk about words and applying this to our lives is that words should edify and not condemn. The words in the church matter. 
The body matters. And when we edify each other and do not condemn each other, the church body will be strong. For example, 1 Corinthians 14 tells us, 14.12 tells us, So you too, since you are eager to possess spiritual gifts, strive to excel for the edification of the church. Spiritual gifts are not intended for you only. Spiritual gifts are used to edify and to build the church. Ephesians 4.29 tells us, Let no unwholesome word come out of your mouth. But if there's any good word for edification according to the need of the moment, say that so that it will give grace to those who hear. The church and words should edify. Again, in my experiences... I have seen words destroyed. And the words that are used should be used to edify, to build up the body. Not only, you, not only words should be used to edify the body, they should be used to edify your spouse, your family, fellow members of the church, fellow pastors, fellow leadership, And I believe this is exactly what James saw when he wrote this epistle. There was a lot of stuff going on. But James really hones in on how powerful the tongue had come into this environment and swept through it with destruction. I want to turn over to James 5, verse 7 and 8. The second thing I want to apply to this is the blessed hope and return of our Lord Jesus Christ. In James chapter 5, verse 7, James admonishes the the 12 tribes and he says, Listen, be patient, therefore, brethren, until the second coming, or I'm, I'm I'm sorry, brethren, until the coming of the Lord. Behold, the farmer waits for the precious produce of the soil being patient about it until it gets the early, late rains. You too, be patient, strengthen your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. James is saying, after this letter he wrote, and after all these things he pointed out, he said, but be patient, for the Lord is coming. And that is the blessed hope as we apply these scriptures to us that although we struggle with this tiny yet powerful, deadly organ of the body that boasts great things, we know that that day will come when the Lord Jesus returns and we no longer have to wrestle with the flesh and the blood in our sin. It is when Christ return that we will be made new again. The old is gone. As we struggle in our sin, as we struggle struggle in our fallen nature, in our depravity, 
in our struggles with our tongue, our sinful nature, we have a blessed hope that one day we won't be struggling with our words and our tongues. But instead, we'll be using our tongues to praise the very God that created a system in order that one day we will be made right by the blood of the cross. And I want to leave with a few thoughts for us as we apply these scriptures. I think tonight might be a good time to think if you need to clean house with your words. Tonight might be a good time to set the right course with someone you have maybe hurt with your words. Perhaps there's somebody here tonight who needs to make an apology for the hurtful words that may have caused someone to be led astray. Words are powerful. Words, if not kept in check, can destroy the church, can defile the body, mislead people in the word. Sober, sober words James uses at the beginning of chapter three. Do not teach. Do not teach if you do not have your tongue in check. As again, I said earlier that the tongue is powerful. The last thing I want to leave you with is this thought of the cross. Where we lay all of our struggles with the tongue and the destruction that we've set behind, we leave it at the cross. John Calvin said, let us consider this settled. That no one who has been, that no one who has made progress in the school of Christ does not joyfully await the day of death and final resurrection. Let us not hesitate to await the Lord's coming, not only with longing, but also with groaning and sighs. As the happiest things of all, he will come as a redeemer. Only Christ can redeem. Only Christ can remove the stain of our tongues. Only God can remove the path of destruction we have left behind. As a work was finished on the cross, so too was our sin. It's been paid for. Every word that we've said, every word, every hurtful word that we've said, has been forgiven. If you come to Christ. Let's pray. 
But Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word tonight. We thank you that your word is uh, just powerful, that it uh, strikes at the, the center of the heart, Lord. I pray that uh, tonight we go forth and we think about James's words, and we think about our own lives and how we could better use our tongues to glorify you and to edify and build up the church and the body. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for tuning in to Renewing Hope Church. May God's love for you renew your hope today, and may his face shine upon you and give you peace. If you need prayer or would like to reach out to us, you can do so at our website, renewinghope.church. Until next time.